Hey fadies, this is the Fate of Ison. I'm DM Brad, and you're whoever you are. Let's party. I want to take a moment to thank you for checking out this very extra super special episode. This has been a long time in development, but it's finally ready, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. There's no dice rolling or actual play today, but instead we've got what I've been referring to as a radio play. It might not actually be that, but it's high time you learned that I don't know what I'm talking about. During Chapter 1 of The Fate of Ison, we met a number of memorable NPCs, and I thought it was about time we explained what happened next for them after our players moved on. If this is your first time listening to the show, first of all, welcome. Second of all, you might not fully understand who these characters are or what's going on. You'll still enjoy it, I promise, but just in case you want a refresher, I would recommend you check out a few older episodes first, specifically Chapter 1, Episodes 9, 11, and 14, and Chapter 2, Episode 6. Now, before we jump right into this thing, here is a big thanky-panky to our awesome Patreon supporters, Alex White-Robinson, Person Who Wants to Stay Anonymous, Robert Baldino, Irene Cucci, Laura Christine Goodwin, James Blyster, Sajay Hodgkins, Laura Douglas, Mel Ziegler, Roger Alphamata, Sam Malcolm, Kydron Faust, Laura Fleck, Kai Love, and Rihanna Kvelsic. You're the bee's knees, elbows, and left earlobe. If anybody else wants to support the show, check out our reward tiers over at patreon.com slash fateofison. Phew, okay, now it's time for the battle of the Lifeblood Crossing. River's reunion with her childhood friend Marley had been brief, but it was enough to raise her spirits. And meeting Marley's strange, enigmatic friend, Banfor, had been good for her. For a long time, she had forgotten about the importance of having people in her life to love. Parting with them had been difficult, but River knew it was necessary. The work she was doing, the work they were all doing, for the resistance was crucial to turning the tide and pushing back the Arkvale Empire once and for all. The river that flows forever east, a half-orc from the unclaimed free lands in the west, was the leader of a resistance cell called the Bowstring Three. Along with her teammates, Aiden and Jadinia, River was an experienced ranger, skilled in archery, stealth, and survival. The Bowstring Three left the city of Dantonair on foot, heading west. They were sent to find recruits to train in the recently discovered underground city to return Foxworthy, the Horde, to his owner, Smith Corman and to investigate news that the small town of Farhaven had been placed on lockdown by Arkvale soldiers. River's furbird, Manonui, was somewhere nearby, probably exploring the various thickets of forest along the roadway. On their first day of travel, the bowstrings saw only a few soldiers patrolling and easily avoided those they could and picked off with arrows those they couldn't. Nearing sundown, they came to the village of Fort Pithlock, where they settled for a night at an inn called the Stodgy Omelette. There they were met with a great enthusiasm and acceptance from the locals, who had recently dealt with the Arkvale soldier situation of their own. Welcome to Fort Pithlock. Any enemy of the black and gold is a friend of ours. The villagers brought them drinks and told tales well into the night about a band of the Arkvale soldiers 
some kidnapped villagers, an evil nobleman, and the brave travelers who had saved the day. In the morning, as River and her team prepared to leave Fort Pithlock and continue westward, they were joined by a young woman named Irene, an old drunkard named Griff. Both newcomers seemed ready and eager to join the fight against the Empire. We're sick of waiting around doing nothing. I reckon it's time we got out of here and took the fight straight to them assholes. I can't do much, but I can swing most weapons pretty hard. River welcomed the additional allies, and together they all set off on the road. By evening, they reached the Lifeblood Crossing, the enormous bridge connecting the kingdom of Airedale with their southern neighbor, Tyrannus. The sun was low on the horizon, and River urged her companions to stop to examine the scene. Wait, wait, wait. This might be trickier than we thought. A large force of soldiers, most in Arkvale black and gold, but some in the white uniforms of the Airedale Holy Legion, had set up a camp around the guardhouses on this side of the bridge. River counted at least 200 on active patrol. She was about to suggest retreating to some nearby trees, when suddenly all hell broke loose. A strange ten-foot-tall rock creature came bursting from the edge of a nearby forest. You not friend of forest! You not friend of Goror! The creature charged with a fury and bowled into a group of soldiers stomping them into the now crimson dirt. Kill the beast! Slaughter it in the name of the Empress! The moment of confusion quickly turned into complete chaos. The white-uniformed Airedale soldiers under the leadership of a tall, muscular woman carrying a monstrous greatsword turned on their black and gold companions. Now, men, now is the time to take back our home for Airedale. River and her companions watched the scene for only a few seconds before leaping into action and joining the fray. Finally, somebody give me a mace. This is the fun part. The Airedale soldiers are on our side. Only take out the black and gold. All right. The rock creature, Goror, flung its arms wildly, sending Arkvale soldiers sprawling in all directions. You hurt forest. You hurt animal. Now Goror hurt you. The soldiers focused arrows and blades on Goror, which appeared to be a fruitless endeavor against its large, rocky exterior. A loud roaring sound, a booming battle cry, made everyone stop short. The echo faded and thundering footsteps pounded and shook the ground. Coming closer and closer, finally emerging into view, was a two-headed giant in a brown and green uniform of the Tronus military. The giant appeared to have a weasel on his shoulder. Don't leave us out of the fun. Hmm, yes. Our side of the river has been ever so dull. The weasel squeaked. And the giant began punching and kicking the nearest soldiers in a violent bashing maelstrom. River surveyed the battle around her. Goror and the two-headed giant were like armies of their own, taking on dozens of soldiers between them. Rune must have answered our prayers, men. Keep fighting. The bridge will be ours again. Rune does not bend! The white-uniformed soldiers and their leader were well-disciplined fighters. 
carving holes in the black and gold formations. Aiden and Jadinia were felling soldiers with each precise bow shot, and even the two villagers were making a large dent in the Empire's numbers with nothing but a sloppy combination of maces and rage. This is for the women of Fort Pithlock. This is, um, for me. Thanks to this motley group of allies, it soon became clear that the Arkvale soldiers were fighting a losing battle. Out of the corner of her eye, River noticed two soldiers retreat into a small guardhouse. They returned moments later, one of them holding a dagger to the throat of an old man and the other to a small child. Enough! The battle ceased. These two prisoners will die unless you surrender immediately. Drop your weapons now and swear obedience to the Empress. May she live eternal. The old man awkwardly twisted around to look at his captor. Do whatever you wish to me, B but please, let my grandson go, please. I'm begging you. I won't say this again. You drop your weapons and back away, or the old man and the little boy are dead. River nodded to her fellow bowstrings who had spent years training for situations like these. She trusted their skills like she trusted her own. We surrender. Please, don't harm the hostages. River placed her bow on the ground and her hands in the air, then in perfect practiced unison. Aiden and Jadenia feigned lowering theirs before quickly letting off an arrow each at the two soldiers. One man fell with an arrow in his cheek and the other in his throat. The daggers fell to the dirt and the old man quickly wrapped the boy in a tight, safe embrace. Oh, Robert, thank Brune that they did not harm you. The remaining black and gold soldiers immediately laid down their weapons and surrendered. They were swiftly taken into custody by the white and gold Holy Legion and a cheer of victory rose up in the evening air. The woman with the great sword ordered her men to tend to any wounded before she turned to address her varied and diverse allies. She saluted the two-headed giant in the Tyrannus uniform. Sirs, I am Captain Deria Bright. Of the Aradel Holy Legion. Your assistance is much appreciated, thank you. A cowardly premier placed us here to assist the black and gold and be subordinate to them. My squad and I have been biding our time, waiting for the right moment to regain control of the crossing. She turned to the rock creature Goror. And you, my friend, you provided us with a distraction we couldn't possibly have passed up. Thank you, and thank you to everyone. Let it be known that Arkvale's time in this kingdom will soon be done. This was only one battle, but make no mistake, the time to fight back is upon us. There arose a great cheer and thus the lifeblood crossing was liberated. As the light disappeared below the horizon, River told her new allies about the recent discovery made by the resistance in Dantonair about the secret underground city, about the rescued High Priestess, and about the army that was being trained to fight Arkvale right under their very noses. Captain Bright turned to River, the bowstrings Irene and Griff. And what of the villages between here and Dantonair? Are they crawling with the black and gold? Nah, ma'am. We kicked them sons of bitches out of Fort Pithlock already. 
River interjected. And we cleared out any we saw on the roads, too. Uh, we're headed to Fairhaven next, if you'd care to join us. We heard a few soldiers were killed in the chapel a week or so back, and uh, the rest haven't taken it very well. A few feet away, the old man and his grandson sheepishly approached the two-headed giant. Ex- ex- excuse me, sir. You are from Tehranus, yes? Yes, we are. I'm Lieutenant White, and this is my brother, Lieutenant Robinson. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yes, a pleasure, given the circumstances. The weasel squeaked. Oh, and this is our Dapton Sewer Weasel, Alex. We've been guarding the other side of the bridge, making sure those Arkvale guys never come to Tyrannus. Don't you know? Well, it is wonderful, wonderful to meet you too. May I ask that you please allow us passage into your kingdom? After my son, Robert's father, was killed by the black and gold, we just have not felt safe, even for a moment. I do not wish a life of constant fear for my grandson. River, overhearing the conversation, approached and knelt down to the young boy, Robert. If you're going into Tyrannus, Robert, could you please do me a big favor? You see that horg over there? River pointed to Foxworthy, who was off eating a patch of tall grass and enjoying some surprisingly gentle attention from Goror. His name is Foxworthy, and he's a very special horg. I need someone equally special, like you, to return him to his master. Do you think you can do that for me? Robert thought for a moment, then nodded. That's great! You and your grandfather need to find a man called Smith Corman, who works in the Dapton Bazaar. So if you take Foxworthy back to Smith and tell him River sent you, I'm sure he'll help you to start a new life away from the bad soldiers. Does that sound good? Robert nodded again and beamed a smile that filled River's heart with joy. She clapped him on the shoulder and then walked away to start preparing a camp for the night. The rest of the night passed uneventfully, and in the morning... River and her companions continued westward toward the town of Farhaven. The End Wow, we would not have been able to make this without the wonderful voice talents of people from all over the Necropodicon and Podicon Go podcast networks. Thank you so much, you amazingly gifted creatures. Griff the Drunk was played by Adam from the Gunpowder Treason No Plot podcast. Irene the Kickass Villager was played by my wife Mel from The Fate of Ison. River the Half-Orc Ranger was played by Laura from Wheel or Woe. Goror the Rock Monster was played by Joey from Wheel or Woe. Captain Deria Bright of the Airedale Holy Legion was played by Spencer from the Roleplaying Guys. The Two-Headed Giant's left head, Lieutenant White, was played by Jared from the Indie Film Review. The two-headed giant's right head, Lieutenant Robinson, was played by Dan from the Indie Film Review. Baldini, the polite old man, was played by Daniel from the Happy Go Lucky podcast. The various soldiers from Arkvale and Airedale were played by Richard from Bad Rad Movies, Kenny from A Necessary Evil, Sean from Omen Investigations, and James and Woody from Wheel or Woe. Narration was done by Mike from Dice Tower Theatre. 
Thank you so much once again, all of you. I'm so grateful that you took the time to lend your voices to this project. Links to all of these people's shows will be in the show notes for this episode. Oh, before you go, don't forget to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Fadervison, or drop us a line, Fadervison at gmail.com. And come chat with us on the Necropoticon Network Discord server. We're there all the time, and there's a link on our website. Thanks everyone for listening. See you later.